0: CHAPTER Sixteen of Vagabonding Down the Andes by Harry A. Franck. This Librivox recording is in the public domain. THE CITY OF THE SUN, PART 2 It was not long, however, before I realized that something, perhaps the impossibility of eating during the night, had decidedly sapped my companion's strength. He did not tramp with his old-time vim, the joy of life seemed to have departed from him. I moderated my pace, thinking my haste to reach the climax of my South American journey was unconsciously causing me to outdo the pace we had long since agreed upon. Still, he would not keep out from under my feet. For almost the first time in our acquaintance, I found it necessary to touch him up with a stick. We were moving along a semi-tropical hollow, amid the deafening scream of parakeets with an occasional sharp dip into and climb out of a stony quebrada from which i had almost to carry him by main force he moved like a clock that was running down and for the life of me i could not contrive the means of winding him up again then all at once i realized what had befallen him the poor misused brute had been bitten not by mules, but by those loathsome vampire bats of tropical valleys that sometimes find even human victims for their blood-sucking propensities. We crawled at last into the mud village of Limatambo, only to be informed that there was no alfalfa in town, and that we must push on at least to the Hacienda Chalabamba, half a league up the valley. As we turned toward it, I was startled to find the way bordered by a splendid wall of cut stone about which the effete modern inhabitants had pitched their miserable mud huts for here commanding the narrow entrance to the valley stood one of those four fortresses with which the ancient emperors of tavantinsuyo had defended at some twelve leagues from the capital the highways radiating to the four corners of the earth chusquito had lost all response to any species of outside influence push as i would putting my shoulder to the wheel i would say rump and digging my toes into the trail we could not advance a mile an hour the drooping animal took a half minute to lift each separate foot a pebble caused him to stumble a six-inch rock step made him groan audibly he did not look particularly worn out he was fatter if anything than the day i had bought him and surely even a man could have gone the mile or two more on his nerve instead he came to a complete standstill this would never do at least we must reach the hacienda and its alfalfa fields much as it grieved me to raise a hand against a faithful companion i rapped him soundly across the quarters with my stick he uttered a sudden pathetic groan and dropped in the middle of the road as suddenly as a well-killed bull in a spanish bull-ring his legs quivered a moment his eyes opened wide closed then opened again in a glassy stare despite all my blustering before soulless gobernadores who would have starved him in the midst of plenty despite all my struggles to find him food when even i had gone without the patient little brute had come to this sad end never had i felt the loss of a travelling companion more keenly for six weeks we had toiled together over lofty andean ranges across vast paramos with nothing in sight but their dreary nothingness how often had we not listened to each other contentedly dining in our adjacent chambers at the end of a laborious day if we had had differences they had been only those which arise between all beings with wills of their own joined together on a long journey and the end of that journey had been so near at hand i had long looked forward to our triumphal entry into cuzco together to having our pictures proudly taken side by side in the main plaza and to the pleasure of presenting him as a pet to the children of the one american i knew dwelt in the ancient capital should it turn out that the latter had any such appendages that he might toil no more and end his days in the beloved mountain air of his native heights instead of which here i sat on the edge of a peruvian trail gazing at a shattered dream stiffening in the blazing sunshine before me but the experienced traveller will not let misfortune long interfere with the regular flow of his existence. Behind the bristling cactus hedges lining the road were several Indian hovels. I risked leaving alone what was left of my possessions to walk to the nearest some fifty yards away. Two arrieros, a boy and a woman, were lounging within it the muleteers spoke a quichua somewhat different from that i had picked up moreover they were half drunk i offered them a good reward to toss my stuff on one of their grazing mules and carry it to chalabamba but they were bound for la estrella probably five or six hours later and could not turn back perhaps it brings bad luck the woman would not be compromised even to the extent of admitting my existence. As a final straw, the boy refused a pesata to carry a note to the hacienda. I returned to the scene of the disaster and sat down hopelessly in the shrinking shadow of the hedge. The connecting link between a sahib and his baggage kept running like a refrain through my head. Indian travelers and mule-trains passed to and fro, staring curiously and seeming, insofar as the impassive Indian face shows anything, to smirk with satisfaction at my plight. At least I could pull my belongings off the corpse, though not easily, with the diamond hitch and the ropes wound round and round the body. Luckily the animal had fallen on the side carrying my city clothing, and had spared the developing tank i disentangled my still existent possessions and piled them beside me in the shade an hour crawled by another was crawling something must be done i could neither leave my baggage unprotected here beside one of the four royal highways leading into or out of the city of the sun depending on which way one was going were one going at all nor could i carry it myself such was the bulk to which it had accumulated i drew out a visiting card that proof of the caballero caste in south america and wrote upon it vengo recomendado por los señores de la laguna pero a tres cuadras de su hacienda me ha muerto de repente el caballo puede vi mandarme un indio para que me ayude con el equipaje the owners of chalabamba were relatives of my host of the first night out of andahuaylas and he had implored me to stop with them as to the horse it was best not to try to explain offhand that it was not one i had been riding awaiting my chance i picked out an old indian woman stubbing along the stony rising trail twirling her ubiquitous yarning spindle and explained to her in my most fluent and not to say archaic quichua that she was to give the note to don francisco when she passed his hacienda but like most of her race sent on errands she probably forgot it or concluded i didn't mean what i had said or thought of some other incomprehensible reason for not delivering it such as not having the consent of her yaya or father confessor or she decided to keep it as fuel or don francisco was nostáca, as usual or he didn't care to have travellers recomendado by his relatives or que se yo the empty blazing minutes expanded into half-hours these in turn into hours and still life drifted eventlessly on i dug out a battered copy of marcus aurelius and strove to pass the time as pleasantly as possible until fate saw fit to make a suggestion limping old epictetus would have been far more to the point under the circumstances the sun drew relentlessly away on its westward journey the handful of shade crawled on all fours under the cactus hedge and spread into the uninviting field beyond i transferred my sundry not to say sun-dried chattels to the other side of the road and continued my reading an old, near-white fellow hobbled past and desired to know what I was doing there. I replied that the densest of human beings could see that I was installing an electric light and power plant, and could he, as quite evidently the oldest resident of these parts and a man of extraordinary intelligence, suggest any means of starting the dynamo? His brilliant but not wholly unexpected reply was, "'Where do you come from? Where are you going?' If one dragged a Peruvian out of bed at midnight to say that his wife had just hanged herself in the patio and should be cut down as soon as convenient, he would certainly cry, Y de bueno? I finally stirred up his driveling intellect to the point where he announced himself the owner of a small hacienda not far away, and he promised that as soon as he returned from a social call up the road he would see whether he had an animal that could carry my stuff to his house and an indian that cared to fetch it i picked up my book once more and just then chusquito raised his head and gazed listlessly about him like one of the opposite sex coming out of a faint or one of our own regaining the first consciousness of the cold gray dawn of a morning after then getting unsteadily to his feet that deceitful ungrateful possum playing rascal stood up staggered through the cactus hedge and fell to nibbling the stubble of the field beyond the octogenarian had not mentioned the date of his proposed return and whatever it was it had not arrived when there appeared along the road i would have travelled a near indian in some cast-off clothing and the same kind of spanish leading a stout Empty mule, Don Francisco, as I had suspected, was not at home, and La Senora had evidently slept the siesta on the note before acting upon it. Chusquito, though on his feet again, was of course too weak to be reloaded, and even in the clothes he stood in, I could only drag him along a few feet to the minute by pulling like a Dutchman, or more exactly, a Dutch woman, on a canal towpath the inscrutable near-Indian, with the mule bearing my baggage, bringing up the funereal rear. A score of times I was on the point of abandoning the derelict, far from port and alfalfa, but contained myself in patience, recalling the former virtues of the deceiving creature, and sweated at last with him into the hacienda corral the estate was just then in supreme command of a woman of such cold indifference to my sad tale that she might as well have spoken only quichua instead of being so versed in spanish that she was performing the extraordinary feat for a south american countrywoman of reading a novel of dumas in that tongue the parlor of the low adobe building was papered with the pages of illustrated weeklies from many lands and in many languages and there the illustrious and the notorious of all countries rubbed shoulders the latest champion of the fistic world beside the ivory-like dome of an experienced american presidential candidate the pope in the act of blessing a group of mexican bandits the american rector of the university of cuzco arm-in-arm as it were with a famous spanish bullfighter in a corner of the corral chusquito had fallen upon a heap of alfalfa in a way to show that whatever his appearance he was far from dead but the hacienda people assured me the animal could not possibly carry my stuff to cuzco that like a nervous breakdown his ailment called for long rest and weeks of good feeding i might perder cuidado however as they would lend me a chusco and an indian for the rest of the journey from their careful avoidance of any suggestions on the subject it was evident that they fancied i would leave chusquito where he was and that they would automatically fall heir to him i may look like that in my pictures but photography is at best deceiving moreover i had not forgotten that it is a common human failing to take far less care of that which is given than of that which is bought a wily old compadre of the family smelling how the wind blew said he would buy the animal himself were it not that he had only that week finished and won a twenty-seven year lawsuit against some franciscan friars for the possession of an hacienda and was penniless in consequence the brother of the absent don francisco who chanced to ride over from his neighboring hacienda assured me the eighteen soles i had paid in huancayo was an atrocious price and after the rest of the usual prelude to a bargain in peru offered me eight i forgot myself and accepted too quickly whereupon he walked slowly around the animal until finding a discolored fetlock or some other fatal blemish he lightly broke his word and offered six after a sharp and scintillating exchange of gypsying i pocketed seven and sadly watched the constant companion of my most pleasant six weeks on the road in peru led slowly away to a large green spot up the valley the order of his new master to give him all the alfalfa he could eat ringing in his ears yet i knew only too well his preference for the tough paramo grasses of his native upper heights la senora had promised that i should start by six whence it was unusually good luck that i actually dashed out through the hacienda gate at seven my possessions behind me on a little gray chusco in charge of one of the wooden-headed indians of the region sent to lead the animal to cuzco and back the first half of his task did not last long after i had paused to wait for him a dozen times or more in the first furlong i came back to kick him off the end of the tow-rope and take personal charge of the expedition gradually the great semi-tropical valley where chusquito had found the end of his journeyings shrunk to a hollow in the earth then to a mere hole wavy blue with distance that finally disappeared forever from my eyes the brown pampa and exhilarating air of upper heights appeared once more, with magnificent views of the Andes on every hand as far as the eye could range. The wooden Indian disappeared for hours, and I fancied I was rid of him for the rest of the journey. But he caught up and dropped at the roadside with an almost audible sigh of relief, the coca quid still in his cheek, the bag of eggs I had entrusted to him still intact where i paused for dinner on the edge of a floor-flat plain that had evidently once been a lake bottom the mood came upon me to treat him as an equal to see what the effect might be i shared with him such a meal as he had certainly never before enjoyed but his outward expression showed neither gratitude nor any other emotion though he mumbled the customary gracias teta, teta, in the tone one would expect from a wooden indian a more passive human being it would be hard to imagine he ate boiled oatmeal without a murmur though it was plain he neither recognized nor liked it when i pointed to the approaching storm and murmured para it rains he muttered para senor munanquichu cocata i asked "Ari, senor he mumbled and waited like a stone image until i had handed him a pinch of coca-leaves munanchichu copita ari senor and he drank the pisco as impassively as he had eaten the oatmeal had i announced that it was snowing or asked him to take poison i should have expected the same passive acquiescence the plain broadened to the immense pampa de anta the plain of of Prescott, stretching to far-off mountain walls on either hand. Along the base of these, to the left, hung some splendid examples of ancient Inca Andenes, or terraced fields. Thousands of cattle speckled the plain in every direction. Dim villages stood forth on projecting headlands, while several snow-clads peered over the bordering range to the north. The ground was half-marshy, but a broad partly paved raised highway stretched straight ahead as far as the eye could see it began to rain it always does on the pampa de anta if local information is trustworthy it was such a rain as one rarely encounters in the high andes mixed with hail and punctuated by roaring crashes of thunder lightning is so frequent on the pampa de anta "'that natives always feed their favorite saint before crossing it, "'and the government, a bit more materialistic in its superstitions, "'has provided each pole of the two-wide telegraph line with lightning rods. "'A well-meaning Peruvian had advised me, "'if, as was certain, I should be overtaken by a thunderstorm on the Pampa, "'to take refuge at once under a telegraph pole "'and remain there until the storm was over.' Instead, I splashed on, wet to the thighs, singing between the crashes of thunder, so great was my joy at approaching Cusco. As the storm slackened, the world about me became musical with the chorus of frogs. All day the costume of Indians had been gradually changing. The pancake hat of Cusco was now in the majority. The knee-breeches and skirts were shorter. The faces were distinctly darker or was it dirtier and even more stupid than the type with which i had grown so familiar greetings were more obsequious than ever even the women raised their hats to me as they duck-trotted by and more than one carried my thoughts back to inca days by a respectful buenas tardes Viracocha. it became evident we could not reach cuzco by daylight we halted at iscochaca the indian curling up in a far corner of the mud corridor assigned us with only his thin semi-tropical garb upon him too passive to find himself the ragged old poncho i discovered in a corner and threw over him it rained most of the night making much of the twelve miles left a quagmire broken by patches of atrocious cobbling no conquistador of old looked forward more eagerly than I to the first glimpse of the navel of the Inca Empire. Yet, as always at the end of a long journey, the last miles seemed trebly drawn out. The road that had been perfectly level since the preceding noonday began to clamber over bumps and rises from the tops of each of which I strained my eyes in vain for the long-anticipated sight. Towns grew up along the way, birds sang in clumps of eucalypti the peon slapped sluggishly along behind me apparently seeing no further than his coca-cud broad vistas of a tumbled and shadow patched mountain world with an occasional flash of the long snow and glacier clad cordillera spread and contracted as i hurried onward the road passed through deep rutted hollows and under the graceful old arch of an aqueduct ranging away with giant strides across the rolling uplands but still no city again and again i topped a ridge only to be newly disappointed until i came almost to fancy this was only some dream city of the imagination toward which we were headed then all at once without warning the road dived downward turned a sharp angle and there below and before me in mid-morning of october seventeen lay spread out in all its extent the city of the sun like the passing indians i too paused on the edge of the rocky shelf and was almost moved to follow their lead in snatching off my hat and murmuring reverently Oh kosko hatun lakta napai kukwee o Cusco, great city i salute thee for to the aboriginals Cusco is still a sanctified spot venerated not only as the abode of the incas but of all those deities that still in spite of its outward christianity preside over the ancient empire of tavantinsuyo my peon showed not a hint of surprise when i knelt to make a tripod of stones for my kodak no doubt fancying it some instrument of worship it was quite natural any human being should set up at first sight of what to all mankind must be the noblest scene in all the world in a way his veneration was justified some have it that cuzco is superior in situation to even bogota and quito in physical beauty alone this is not quite true but what with that combined with its historical memories there are few such fascinating moments in the traveller's experience as this first glimpse of the ancient inca capital i for one at least looked down upon it with a thrill exceeding even that awakened by rome or jerusalem the city covered the northern and more elevated end of a half-green plain enclosed by velvety brown mountain flanks and dying away in hazy labyrinthine distance on the edge of the ridge on which we stood sacsahuaman a mere knoll from this height with its fortress frowned down upon the city a bulking two-tower cathedral faced an immense plaza faded red roofs giving the scene its chief color until this broke into the velvet green of the plain which in turn shaded into the soft brown of the surrounding ranges but neither words nor photographs can give more than a faint hint of the charm and fascination of what is in many respects the most interesting spot in the western hemisphere a charm enhanced by the anticipation of a long overland journey there came upon me pity for the tourist who comes sneaking into the famous city by train along the valley below this in its turn was succeeded by a regret that the hands of time could not be set back four hundred years to the day when balboa first peered out upon the pacific that i might sit here and watch the activities of a world totally different from that we know a regret that what men call the conquest of peru ever happened what days were those when there were really new worlds to discover what would i not have given to have preceded pizarro a bit and been provided with the magic cap of invisibility to save me from being served up as an exotic delicacy on the inca's table a swift stony descent that soon became a regular cobbled stairway once topped by the huancapunco or west gate led through none too pleasantly scented suburbs population staring agape at sight of a white man in shirt-sleeves and belligerently armed descending afoot into the famous city the chusco and indian followed at my heels across a great market square past a prettily flowered little rectangle and i marched at last out upon the broad central plaza so densely populated with the shades of history i had loafed away thirty-eight days since leaving huancayo though only twenty-two of them had been even partly spent on the road the distance had proved almost exactly four hundred miles making a total of two thousand three hundred eighty miles that i had covered on foot since hayes and i walked out of the central plaza of bogota nearly fourteen months before the city of the sun ancient capital of the inca empire which garcilaso called cosco and stevenson Cusco, is today but a shadow of its once imperial grandeur the famous inca historian states that the name corresponded to the spanish ombligo and from his day to this writers have referred to it as the navel of the inca empire educated cusqueños of today deny this derivation asserting that the quichua word for navel is and always has been pupu the talkative old successor of valverde chanced when i called upon him to have just been reading an ancient manuscript in which the words cori cosco crumbs or shavings of gold occurred frequently in the description of the city and he held this to be the real origin of the name whatever of truth or exaggeration there may have been in the statements of old chroniclers that the city gleamed with gold at the time of the conquest little of that royal aspect remains the chief and almost only material reminders of the days of the incas are long walls of beautiful cut stone in the central portion of the modern city indeed in all peru the mementos of the ancient race are almost wholly confined to walls some of these are dressed down so smoothly that the joints seem mere pencil marks most of them are cyclopean rough-hewn moulders of irregular size and shape similar to the pitti palace in florence which is by no means so perfect in workmanship there are almost no curved or circular walls the chief exception to this being the former temple of the sun now the dominican monastery where like mud huts superimposed on the ruins of a mighty race contented old friars lounge among the glories of long ago the remnants are chiefly street after street in which the old walls have been left standing from six to twenty feet high the whitewashed adobe of the ambitionless modern descendants above them for the most part these form only one side of each street for the elbow-rubbing passageways of the incas of which one still remains intact were too narrow even for spanish notions but the city of today is still defined by these long reaches of elaborately cut stones which legend has it divided the ancient capital into regular squares they are egyptian in aspect these massive walls shrinking toward the top as do the rare doors and openings of inca construction that have survived here and there they have been rudely torn open to give entrance to a blacksmith's shop a bakery a chicharilla or it would seem for no other reason than the mere lust for destruction everywhere old walls stare out upon the passer-by with indian stolidity as if refusing to tell the stories they might so easily if they chose even where the walls themselves have disappeared to furnish building material for the churches and monasteries of the conquerors the magnificent doorways have sometimes been preserved as the entrance to some modern hovel and give a suggestion of what this imperial city so ruthlessly destroyed might have been it is only these walls and the historical memories with which they are saturated that distinguish Cusco from any other city of the Sierra. The life of the place is drab and uninspiring, well nigh as colorless as the most monotonous village of the Andes. The metropolis, no doubt, of the Western Hemisphere in the fifteenth century, in the twentieth it seems a little backwater almost wholly cut off from the main stream of life. For a long time after the conquest, it was queen of the Andes, greater even than Lima. Then, as the Inca highway fell into decay under the squabbling and incompetent successors of the provident Incas, it shrunk away into its mountain-girdled isolation. Until today, it is less known to Peru itself than is London or Berlin. For one, Limeno, who has visited Cuzco the historical gem of the continent a hundred have journeyed to paris the conquistadors fond of exaggerating their prowess by multiplying the numbers of their defeated enemies ascribed to cuzco two hundred thousand inhabitants this is inconceivable Today, a trustworthy census taken by the american rector of the university a few weeks before my arrival shows the population to be slightly under twenty thousand it may this authority fancies have numbered one hundred thousand at the time of the conquest the percentage of marriages was found to be extremely low though the birth rate holds its own a few white officials and commerciantes what would be called petty shopkeepers elsewhere are in evidence otherwise Cusco has chiefly the aspect of an indian town its plazas too vast for its shrunken population an ancient chronicler tells us that through the heart of the capital ran a river of pure water its sides faced with stone for a distance of twenty leagues granting that he carelessly wrote leagues when he would have said cuadras none but a spaniard would call the stream a river and the purity of its water if it ever existed has long since departed Today, this stone-faced Huatanay at the bottom of its deep gashed gorge becomes a trickling sewer as it enters the town passing directly beneath the principal buildings and carrying off such refuse as its sluggishness makes possible the vast central plaza far from level and once even larger than today, is faced as usual by the cathedral second only to that of lima or being of stone rather than of reeds and plaster perhaps to be rated the first in peru there is something of the soft velvet brown of salamanca about the churches of cuzco that calls not for a kodak but for an artist the blue-black plaster interior pretending to be also of cut stone is divided after the spanish custom by the choir with splendid carved stalls in the sacristy are ranged the dusky portraits of all the bishops of Cusco, from sophistical old valverde to him of the gold leaf theory in the scented twilight of the nave gather all the motley population the male gente only accepted, after the free-for-all manner of andean churches dogs are not permitted to enter but it is a strange latin american rule that cannot be circumvented i have seen a chola pause at the door sling her puppy in the manto on her back as she would have carried a baby and enter to kneel before a tinseled image the puppy licking her face affectionately from time to time as she prayed in the center of the plaza stands a fountain topped by a life-size bronze indian a figure of some great inca no indeed but a north american redskin feathers in buckskins un haughtiness and all armed with such a bow and arrows as no inca ever beheld the exotic is ever more pleasing than the local the ornate facade of la Compania. A testimonial to jesuit wealth in colonial days stares awry at the cathedral around the other sides of the square are the usual arched and pillared arcades gaudy with everything that appeals to the eye and purse of the peruvian muleteer here are gay leather knapsacks in which to carry his coca and less valuable possessions richly decorated trappings for his animals Quenas or fifes to while away the weary hours across the unpeopled paramos, and the many-colored skating caps with earlaps, which are worn not only by babies but by many of the Indians of surrounding hamlets. The clashing of shod hoofs sounds now and then over the cobbles, but the absence of vehicles, which is so curious a feature of the interior cities of the Andes, would be striking to a newcomer. A ferrocarril de sangre what we might call a streetcar of flesh and blood a roofed platform on wheels behind phlegmatic mules rambles down to the station on train days memories of vice-regal times hover about the rare sedan-chair that serves the same purpose cuzco had no electric lights as yet though she continued to hope and my friend martinelli had installed a dynamo to operate his cinema in the patio of the hotel central End of the city of the sun part two recording by linda johnson